You're listening to the latest edition of ATR Radio. It's December 11th, 2015. I'm Nicole Bennett. Today's episode, Controversy Over Tokyo 2020 Cycling Venues, dominates headlines out of this week's IOC Executive Board meeting. Members of the IOC's ruling body approved the location of four 2020 Olympic cycling venues on Wednesday, claiming to have saved $100 million by putting track cycling and mountain bike venues 120 kilometers outside the Japanese capital in Isu. A total of 27 of 28 sports on the Tokyo program have now been signed off, with football to confirm after the Rio Games. Around the Rings editor Ed Hula was on the scene in Lausanne for the IOC Executive Board meeting. In this edition of ATR Radio, he discusses the IOC's decision on Tokyo 2020 cycling venues, preparations for Rio 2016, and the approval of the IOC Athletes Commission election nominations. IOC Executive Board members met for the last time at its current headquarters in Lausanne. A symbolic groundbreaking at the headquarters on Tuesday marked the beginning of work on a building for the next 100 years. The $160 million project will take Take about four years to complete. In February, IOC staff will relocate to temporary space about five kilometers east along Lake Geneva in the Lausanne suburb of Pulley. When complete, the 18,000 square meter headquarters will house 600 IOC staff under one roof for the first time. Here's more from my interview with ATR editor Ed Hula. So first question, the IOC executive board meeting, I know Tokyo 2020 definitely came up. There's been a lot of controversy with the cycling venue. What can you tell us about that? Well, of course, they've gone ahead and moved the venue to Izu City, about 120 kilometers west of of Tokyo. Uh, People there say it'll take about two hours to get between Tokyo and Izu City, which will be the site of the track events. There is an existing venue in Izu City already, a velodrome, and that will spare organizers the expense of, of building one in Tokyo. And that was the big reason why, why that change has been made, uh, to save, they say, about $100 million. And at the same time, we'll provide a, renovate the existing venue and supposedly boost the sport of cycling uh, for years to come in Japan. Izu City is considered somewhat the, the center of the sport, in, in Japan, so maybe for the long term it might be best for the sport, but Brian Cookson, the president of the International Cycling Union, has been lobbying to prevent that. He sees it as a, a real challenge for both athletes and spectators who would like to see the track cycling events, uh, but um, he'll have to deal with the, the venue being located there, as well as the mountain biking course will be located next to the, the to the velodrome, both with views, we are told, of, of Mount Fuji, Japan's most famous mountain, so that will be a picturesque site. The road cycling events will take place in Tokyo, as will the BMX on a temporary venue, so there's a, a bit of a, still a bit of a cycling connection with Tokyo, not entirely in Izu City. Another upcoming Olympic Games, of course, the 2016 Rio Olympics. This came up at the meeting. Will there be enough money? Well, that's the, I guess, $64,000 question or maybe $500 million question. That's the number that's talked about, the, the amount of the size of the savings 
that uh, real organizers are trying to put into effect before it's too late. They're trying to operate at a balanced budget, and uh, the IOC has been told to expect cuts in, in the way the games are delivered. Uh, they do not are, are not supposed to affect the field of play or the quality of the of the venues. Only some of the services, maybe fewer cars, less food and beverage catering, other things like that, which will be employed over the. They'll look at everything in the budget in the coming months to see what can be cut. Uh, the federal government is in a, a bad shape right now to be able to support the games, what with the collapse of the Brazilian economy, as well as the distraction faced by President Dilma Rousseff, who is entering the first steps of a first stage, rather, of a impeachment inquiry. So the federal government isn't really going to be much help for Rio in terms of any extra money that's needed in the months to come. Uh, there's talk that the IOC might have to step forward and provide some additional money from what it gathers in uh, TV rights fees and commercial sponsorships and that sort of thing to help Rio balance the budget. Uh, Rio organizers say that uh, they'll, they'll make it happen, that there is no reason to suspect the games will be uh, of a lower quality because of this budget problem, but it's, uh, it's going to be a day-to-day -day situation with Rio organizers for the next seven or eight months as they try to bring everything in on a balanced budget. Also at the meeting, the IOC Athletes Commission election nominations were approved, including the Director of Sport for Tokyo 2020, as well as World Champion Women's Pole Vaulter. What can you tell us about that? Well, that's the first, uh, it's, it's the biggest group of candidates ever for an Athletes Commission election, 24. Um, four of them will be elected by uh, popular vote of the athletes participating in the Rio 2016 Olympics. Um, and the, the, those top four will be awarded seats on the IOC for the next eight years. Uh, one of those candidates is Koji Morofushi, who is the director of sport for Tokyo 2020 and the hammer throw champion from the 2004 Athens Olympics. He's making his third try. He almost got elected in 2012, but then was disqualified when the Japanese Olympic Committee apparently violated some rules of campaigning for the Athletes Commission election. Uh, a little bit more controversial will be the candidacy of Elena Isabenyeva, who is the uh, world pole vaulting champion, record holder. Uh, she is a Russian athlete, and of course, Russian track and field athletes have been banned so far from the Rio Olympics due to the controversy over their uh, anti-doping, Russia's anti-doping program. Uh, but we have been told that that affects only athletes competing at the games does not preclude her from becoming a candidate for the IOC Athletes Commission. All of these candidates are elected by their National Olympic Committees and uh, National Olympic Committee of Russia is still in good standing with the IOC, so their nominee is in good standing. Uh, the election is going to be one of the interesting things to watch. Uh, uh, generally, candidates from the larger delegations have a better chance of being elected because they've got more athletes at the games. So Koji Morifushi may have a good shot. Uh, 
Yelena Isabenyeva may also do well too because the Russians will have a big team. Uh, Brazilian also ha- Brazil also has a candidate, and uh, expect maybe him to be able to uh, garner enough votes to uh, make that top four. Now I know a study has been launched into the governance and transparency of the IOC. What's next with that? Uh, that is a study being conducted by the business school known as IMD. It's based in Lausanne and really a well-respected institution known around the world for turning out some uh, good-thinking MBAs and so forth and doing its own research and projects. It's been called upon by the IOC to take a look at how the IOC does its business, how it's governed uh, in a world-class manner. Uh, the same thing with its transparency. They want to hear this outside opinion about how they're doing good and maybe what they need to do to improve. The uh, The IOC executive board this week got a rundown on how they will be measured from uh, one of the uh, uh, professors conducting the study. He told us that uh, he told the IOC what to expect in the way of world-class governance, what kind of standards, what kind of uh, qualities mount up to world-class governance and that's how the IOC will be judged over the next three months as IMD does this study and they they promise that if there's bad things to say we'll hear about it just as well as there are good things to say but it's going to take about three months to complete this study by IMD. Now I know lastly this was a momentous meeting for the executive board in Lausanne as well as for members of the media this was the last time at the current headquarters for the IOC right? It's all coming down in a, in a few months. It'll take a while to get it done, but uh, the plan is for the IOC staff and everybody to vacate sometime in February as uh, the old building, and it's not really that old, it dates from the 1980s, is torn down uh, with a new IOC headquarters to be built over the next four or five years. The, the building is, is, is small, Compared to what they're going to have, it's going to double or triple the size. But uh, it's the last time that that building will be used for an executive board meeting for members of the press who've been going there for years and years. It's uh, been sort of a, a second home. It's a square building, small square block building, uh, but it's going to be replaced by a, a very different looking structure, ultra modern, not <laughs> Not linear shaped at all, very much looking like a, a sail, if you will, um, studded with windows. It looks like it'll be flooded with light. Um, overhead, it'll have the shape of a, supposedly of a, a, a dove about to land. And uh, it will take about four or five years to, to complete. In the meantime, the IOC is moving to temporary headquarters a few miles uh, east towards uh, the Olympic Museum, just on the other side of the Olympic Museum. And uh, they'll begin work there after they return from the uh, Winter Youth Olympic Games that take place in February in Lillehammer. 
That was ATR editor Ed Hula with a recap of this week's IOC Executive Board meeting in Lausanne. As a reminder, the nomination form is open at AroundTheRings.com for the 2016 edition of ATR's Golden 25. The Golden 25, now in its 18th year, presents a list of the most influential figures involved with the Olympics for the year ahead. Nominations will close December 17th. The countdown to number one begins December 18th with number one being named on January 1st. As always, be sure to check into Around the Rings online on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening.